So, sound check. Yep, this is the sound check for uh, the Buzz episode uh, five. Your mic looks like it's working pretty well. Yeah, mine's pretty solid. Um, mine's not bad either. You know, um, AJ, your voice sounds wonderful, but today you're not even the topic of the episode. What That's you, me. You're yeah. right. Who is? Wait, who is this? This is Eric Oakley. Oh, Eric Oakley, oh. five three five six five. Mm-hmm. Um, would you mind saying those five numbers for your sound check? Because we're not going to cut this out. Pete got number five three five six five. Perfect levels. Your levels are great. Mm-hmm. And um, talk right into the mic. Yep, talk right into the microphone. If you go to the side of it, it's going to be a little quieter. Side. Side. The f- middle. <clears throat> the side. Oh. Oh. Eric Oakley is on the show, and we are kind of rolling with this. Uh, we're sitting in a hotel room. Calvin Heimberg is sitting behind us, having to listen to the entire ordeal. Say hi, Vinny. You're supposed to say hi, Vinny. Missed opportunity. That's okay. That's fine. Um, think about it next time. Calvin Heimberg is in the house, but in spirit, I don't think his voice will echo towards these microphones well enough, but just know that he's sitting here with his wonderful bubbly face. Mm-hmm. Um, we are at the World Championships. Yeah. The 2019 World Championships. Peoria, Illinois. Wonderful. Um, but we're not going to be talking about the World Championships this year. I am going to continue on my quest to meet as many people as I can who have started touring for disc golf full-time as a professional player with a sub 990 rating, which these days, if you average that during a tournament, you will not be making any money. Mm -mm. I had AJ, who's going to be my assistant on the show. AJ, say hi to all the fans. Hi to all the fans. He's going to be here, you know, maybe running us drinks if we need drinks. Uh, if I need to take a bathroom break, I'm sure AJ will be stepping in um, to continue the, the uh, interview. I don't know where he's going to go with it, but as long as he doesn't curse um, or try not to, you, if it slips out, that's fine. Um, AJ uh, will be helping me out. He was on our first episode of this series um, where he talked about being a lowly 980-rated touring pro uh, who had tried making it on the road, and here he still is. Um, Eric, on the other hand, you started kind of touring early. Mm-hmm. It was very a, early. Yeah, it was a pretty interesting scenario for me as uh, getting an opportunity to work for a disc golf company, uh, Disc Mania at the time. And they said, hey, do you want to drive the RV? And at the age of, I think I was 25, and I was, you know, playing, I've been playing open the whole time i've been playing as a as a disc golfer once i started playing tournaments so i you know i was like mm-hmm. i i can do this i know that'll help i know i'll get better and i can prove myself um and it was a pretty interesting ride uh i went to ledgestone actually peoria was the very first like kind of big event i went to whenever i had the rv um so that was kind of it's kind of surreal to be here doing that and i didn't cash from Ledgestone, and we traveled around for a while, and I didn't cash until Green Mountain Championships. What year was that? That was twenty, the well Pittsburgh Worlds year. Which year was 2015. that? Twenty fifteen. 
I think that sounds right. 2015, because 2014 was Portland. Funny you say this, mm-hmm. Eric Oakley. I'm looking at your PDGA stats, or as you say, the PEDGA. PEDGA. I'm looking at your PEDGA page. Um, you are 5'3", 5'6", 5", and you only started playing events in 2012, mm-hmm. which is the year that I was uh, interning for the PDGA. So you started playing disc golf later in your life. Before we dive into your uh, journey as a um, pretty much amateur-rated mm-hmm. touring player, um, what, what, what were you doing? What was your life like prior to disc golf? Uh, I was working at... Who were you? I was in Texas, Dallas-Fort Worth area, and I was working as, as a, a, a futsal coach, a smaller... A futsal? Sm- futsal. A smaller, a so- smaller sided form of soccer that's played indoors with a smaller ball that doesn't bounce as much and it's five aside. And I was doing that and, and I was actually playing that at a pretty high level with the group of players I was at a company called City Futsal. Shout out to them. If anybody happens to know them, they're an incredible company who's of doing course. amazing things in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And, um, and then uh, I had a, just a, a life opportunity to kind of move out of Dallas-Fort Worth. So I took it. And that landed me in Phoenix for a small time. And then I ended for up soccer for pretty no, much. No, not for soccer. That was for a girl and she was terrible. Oh. And <laughs> hey, you know, if you're that girl and you're listening, I'm sure you've you figured it out. I'm yeah, sure. And we hope. Yes, we I hope. hope you understand that because we're all humans. <laughs> and we're all wonderful. And then that actually prompted me to, to move to Salt Lake City. I had my, my father and my stepmom were there and it ended up being one of these crazy opportunities of try something new. And I got into working at a school, um, the, the McGillis School in Salt Lake City. And it was kind of a, a great opportunity because I was able to work as a substitute because they were a more independent school. I, I don't know the a, a charter school. How old school. were you when you were subbing? 24, 23, 24. Oh, let's, let's go back to, hold on. What <laughs> was, now we'll, we'll, I'll give you an example. I want to hear this side of Eric Oakley because I know a lot of, People know who you are because mm-hmm. you put it out there on the table. Oh yeah. My parents thought I was going to be a game show host when I grew up. <laughs> I would steal our camcorder and and make uh, Wheel of Fortune style shows. But what was that sound? I was burping. Was that a burp? Mm-hmm. Very gross on my show. <laughs> I was um, trying to pull it away. Did I, very did gross. You guys pick that up. <laughs> you know the microphones are good enough to where we didn't hear too much of it, and I'm <laughs> happy. But it sounded like a cow was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounded like a dead cow. Um, who, <laughs> who is Eric Oakley? I thought someone was playing Nickelback in the room next door. Yes, that's exactly what I needed AJ to be on this episode. Thank you. <laughs> Perfect. A, a nice ten minute wait, and then you you <laughs> money. All right. So again, my parents thought I was this crazy psycho little kid mm-hmm. who was going to be a game show host. What? Who were you at? Like. As you were blossoming into a human being, unbiased and and unaffected by the society around you, mm-hmm. and by social media and by the internet, who was Eric Oakley? Because you're older than I am. Yeah, I, I'm 31 now, and I was honestly kind of a never stuck to the norm type of kid and, and whatnot. Like I, growing up in high school, I was, you know, I played. Mortal Warcraft. I played Magic the Gathering. I was a pretty high-level soccer player. I played hockey as a goalie. I I, I kind of did it all, and I flow. And I played. I was a football kicker. So 
I was in every like group. You like games. People. You're yeah. a, you're a game. I'm a competitive guy. human. Yeah, you know, and I, I know. think that that's a big part of what got me there. And I always always had aspirations mm. as a kid to be the best at everything that I was doing, but to compete at something. Yes, but to yeah, yeah. And that's something that we we find in common with any disc golfer on tour. Like, I feel like there's a there's a minority of touring disc golfers that mm. don't have some strange. Uh, amazing talent mm-hmm. besides throwing a frisbee. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost a standard to have uh, a bunch of jacks of all trade. Like we got James Conrad, like juggling flaming Unreal. axes, yeah. and uh, you know, I, I don't know. There's just a million different examples. Simon obviously is good at everything he does. Paul Uliberry is like annoyingly good at everything he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just were fascinated as a young child. Not we're not even talking high school. As a young child, you just did everything. You mm-hmm. liked doing everything. Yeah. But I, I really did it did. have to be competitive, or were you a creative child? Did you do anything? No, I was. It was all really competition based for me. Were you pushed into that by parents at all, or or like did they get you into structured sports early? Uh, I was I was put into structured sports early, but I, the way I've always put it is, m- my dad showed me the door. Mm-hmm. And he didn't push me through the door. Yeah. It was 100% my decision to go through it. He said, hey, I really like this sport, and mm-hmm. this is why I like it, and showed it to me, and mm-hmm. I kept playing it, and then I just had a ball at my feet. And then, cool, and then I blossomed to find hockey. I blossomed yeah. to find Super Smash Brothers. You yeah. name it. Like, mm-hmm. any, You name anything that I was getting involved in was always – the door was shown to me. It was yeah. me diving headfirst through the door even if it was closed it didn't matter i was ready to yeah. to do just about anything and put and invest my life into it were you so were you i'm assuming you're close with your dad mm-hmm. um as a kid you know um your dad shows you something and if you look up to him he's a man exactly you're like <laughs> why would i not do this yeah. thing yeah. did he get you into disc golf or was that something was that one of the first things that you discovered on your own that was pretty much one of the biggest things that i discovered kind of on my own and that was uh, I found it from a, a soccer friend. So he, my dad, might have something to do with it. Yeah. If you, if you're gonna go down all the rabbit holes of like he introduced me to soccer, and then oh, then I met this guy through soccer. So yeah, if you want to put it that way, then maybe. But realistically, Sick. no. No, well, that's that's kind of what I was getting at. Is that I d- disc golf um, from people that I've spoken to, um, whether it's you know ex drug addicts mm-hmm. or uh, ex you know ex-addicts in general or people that uh, were lost as kids or people that um, even came from your background where you were very structured as a child. Disc golf for a lot of people that got way, way into it, it was their first taste at something that was all their own. Mm-hmm. And um, that's why when it's funny, when we, we look at, uh, I guess for me, I look at an overall purpose of why we do what we do as touring players and ambassadors and whatnot. Disc golf is, is an escape for people. Totally. You know, for us, we wake up in the morning, and that's what we we daydream about all day. Yeah. And we get we get a scheme about. There's a business in in creating an environment that is a form of escapism to people. Mm-hmm. Like disc golf isn't everybody's job. Most people's job is not disc golf. Mm-hmm. But you know, I know so many people where it's like that was the one thing that was mine. I discovered it myself. I made my own network of friends. It's so such a liberating thing, and especially mm-hmm. as a young adult, like especially being in an organized sports your whole life, you had to probably find something. Yeah. And I think it was the first real sport that I played um, that I played just like it was all on me. 
outside of like maybe video games and stuff like that where yeah. it's, it's your decision but that that doesn't I don't think that that totally translates because I was playing hockey I was playing soccer yeah. I played football basketball you name it I was playing all these things where you know I could do everything right and we still lose where disc golf it's the was, worst feeling ever yeah where disc golf is so different in the way is when you do everything right you're generally rewarded yeah, yeah somebody might beat you on the day but at least you still have a yeah. a positive thing to look back on exactly and, and i i it makes you it makes you uh face i don't know if you could always call it repressed emotion mm-hmm. but emotion that we you know say we go through a standard everyday life mm-hmm. it forces you to face these emotions of like rejection and failure and mm-hmm. and and embarrassment you're in front of people on your car doing these moronic things sometimes when you're oh, not yeah. feeling it and it forces you to, to to face those things and it's again it's it's a it's a form of um like achieving that self-awareness that mm-hmm. we all need as humans to live a happy life and i think that's what you know brings so many people to golf and that's what it brings so many ex-addicts you know to disc golf mm-hmm. you know and i think it, the other funny thing is skateboarders were mm-hmm. you ever a skateboarder mm-hmm Everyone who plays disc golf is a skateboarder. I, I think I'm AJ. Did you skateboard? I tried doing an ollie <laughs> when I was a kid. <laughs> Couldn't even get that down. But he was a skateboarder, but not a good one. Not a good one. Um, but he did it. But anyway, so the, the so disc golf, and we'll fast forward a tiny bit. Um, so disc golf was one of the first things that you found yourself. Mm-hmm. You had a blank slate, and you went, "Wow, there's this." shiny new thing in my life yeah and now what age was that now we can start the so i i think i was like right around because i i played the kid i played soccer with was 16 but he Mm -hmm. was old he was about a year older than me so i i believe i was 15 14 or 15 years old is when i really found the sport and when i say i played it was yeah, we went and played at the course. We jumped in the ponds trying to find the discs. You were frolfing. Yes, we were very much frolfing. Straight but up then, frolf. But, you know, I convinced my my mom to buy those cloth Innova baskets, and we had two of them in the backyard, and we ended up using those for a totally different sport that we made up on our own called basketball, which was completely <laughs> legit, and I, I, I miss it even to this day. It's super fun, but doesn't matter. Um, that, all right. But I, I was out there throwing in my backyard. Yeah. I would go out to the course. We had a field at our high school that mm. uh, because there used to be a disc golf club before we were there. So okay. that was like you could tell that people were involved in it. Yeah. So we had baskets that we could throw at in a giant open field. And that was like kind of the goal was just to yeah. grab a disc, full send, see what happens. Yeah. And then, oh, cool. We're, we're out of them. Let's go gather them up and then throw them back as far as we mm-hmm. can. And that was kind of the perpetual thing that got me going. And one of the biggest parts of you know how I dove headfirst into everything. I had to be competitive. I mm-hmm. wanted to be the best was early on the guy who got me in, involved. His name's Ian. He downloaded, you know, USDGC videos from 2003, 2004 with or, flawless with, camera work un, and, un, <laughs> and but that was it for me. That's all we had that was all then. but that yep. in that in that's honestly whenever I qualified for USDGC the very first time through Monday qualifying it was one of those moments of that yeah. I've earned it to play in this tournament yeah. and I've watched this tournament. This was the first thing yeah. I saw as professional disc golf and it became that really cool that's thing, cool, man. Yeah. And I, I, and that that's, it, it spirals into so many other things is that, you know, I had, if I wouldn't have put myself into it as much as I did, mm-hmm. 
those little moments wouldn't be there. Maybe I wouldn't even be here even because yeah. I, I dove so hard into it and made it everything I wanted it to do. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. You just like 2012, like I'm going to look at your stats right now. That, that's mm-hmm. when you joined the PDGA. Mm-hmm. So you've been playing a long time before that. Yes. So 2012 hits and, and now we're just going to look at the stats here. <laughs> you went and you, you played open right away. Never played a tournament as an amateur. Whoa. Yeah. Hold, hold on. Calvin. Have you ever have you ever played a, a did you play a uh, am when you were a PDGA member? Yeah. AJ, did you play am when you were a PDGA member? A lot of them. <laughs> see, see, you might be the only person I've spoken to that's only played open, mm-hmm. and you just did that because you're just competitive and you wanted to get get going. Yeah. A uh, AJ, would you mind reading the uh, out of five tournaments in 2012 in uh, Eric Oakley's pro debut? <laughs> how much prize money did he win? Network connection error. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? What was the question? No dollars. Yeah, no dollars. The yeah. answer was zero. And, five, I, and, and five, I had this funny five, bit. Five tournaments, zero dollars. I had this mm-hmm. funny bit lined up, and AJ was supposed to roll with it, and now <laughs> whatever. So <laughs> you started. I hijacked the opportunity for my <laughs> own joke, <laughs> which I stole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So sick bit, but. You go five tournaments, mm-hmm. no cash, understandably. Totally. You know, all new experiences. Well, that was a big part of it was I was, you know, playing in Dallas-Fort Worth. There's a, a, a weekly, a, a league or something like that every single night. Yeah. And I was going out there and I was a, I was making money. Mm-hmm. I was honestly like I could play two event, two rounds on a Saturday mm-hmm. that and it's not even a PDGA tournament Yeah. and go and take in, you know, 80 to 90 bucks yeah. if I play well enough at both of them and with, you know, with side pots and stuff like that. There's ace pots, all, all that thing. Texas thing's has being, some crazy leagues. It's nuts, dude. It was, and it's still, cra- it's crazier even now to this day. So that I've was, heard. that was one of the big things that kind of got me into it because yeah. I was playing open in those and um, Tony Shirley is a, is a dynamic to sponsored uh, pro masters guy now um, who was in, in Dallas and I actually played around with him and he watched me play and it was just one of those rounds where I was just on. And I asked him, I was like, I'm going to sign up for this tournament, that very first tournament that I played. And he goes, what division should I play? Mm-hmm. He goes, you should play open. You're no, nobody, who, nobody can do what you just did on a course like that we were playing Whoa. That, that if you're, that, that's in an amateur division. And and that's he, 2012. Yeah. And he, but it was, it was Whoa. pretty easy. I had the, the simple thing dialed, like throw a big hyzer. Yeah make your putt, throw a big hyzer, make your putt. And I did that like six or seven times in a row. And he's just like, that's whenever he just kind of put that into my head of you're good enough. Is that where that, is that where your like initial like hyzer form mm-hmm. came from? Oh yeah. And I watched, is that why, what's the guy's name? Uh, the DD guy, the really good player. My, is it miles? Is that, Seaborn? is that why he throws everything like so hyzer or is it a Texas thing or just random? I, it could be honestly a big, a big Texas thing because we have to rip into a lot of winds yeah. and we, in a lot of cases, the trees aren't that big. So you just throw over the top of them. So throw big stuff over the top. Yeah. Why not reach, reach down low, Grenades and throw, all sorts of throw stuff. high. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, so 2012, like you have, you have people already telling you that you're good and mm-hmm. it's crazy. Mm-hmm. You then proceed to take an entire year off disc golf. Yes, what that happened? was uh, that was at the time whenever I was actually twenty thirteen has no stats training as a uh, professional semi professional soccer player. Okay. I was very I was in all of this time of playing disc golf. 
there was a lot of soccer intermixed in it, whether that was a year at college, uh, a bunch of years of semi-pro indoor uh, trials uh, at different pro teams um, and stuff like that. So that was a lot of where my energy went. Yeah. But I needed it's it's the same concept we have even now of like being able to detox and get out get away from disc golf every once in a while for a day and i had to have that away from soccer and Mm -hmm. disc golf really became that big thing but then you went hard in 2013 Mm -hmm. but then right back in 2014 five more events Mm -hmm. and that was was that was that some utah events i believe it was Let's see here, AJ. You you mind uh, going through the stats for me? I, I believe that was in the year of 2013. Was the year that I tore my Achilles twice. That's what Partial, we wanted to hear. Partially tore my Achilles twice playing soccer. Like tore it, recovered, came back, retore it, and that was oh my god. And it, and it was never a full tear. And it and a, the doctor who looked at it said it would have been better if it was because it would have been repaired, like and been. Do you still feel pain on it now? Not as much anymore because it has kind of fully recovered and I'm not doing those move those same movements that were causing it to flare up. So that was good. Uh, Do we have what what do we have AJ? Three tournaments in Texas Mm -hmm. up until June and then the last two of the five are in Utah. So the (laughs) the fourth one's in August. So July. Now now that was whenever I moved to Utah. Now, um, craziness. Here's Chaos. here's my favorite transition, and this is so. This is this is. I'm geeking out over this because it fits. It fits my uh, not not agenda, but it fits like the theme of what I'm trying to get at. You play five tournaments, and you go no cash, no cash, no cash, no cash in your final tournament of the year, mm-hmm. a B tier in September of 2014. You make seventy five dollars. So sick, dude! It was awesome. That is an average of. Uh, I can't do the math. Seventy five divided by seven five. and a half dollars a tournament. Potentially, <laughs> if, if you're going to all tournaments that I've played, I've made seven and a half dollars a tournament out of ten, because that's ah uh, yes. five before ten ten now. That's better that we double the amount of tournaments so we can actually do the math and carry the decimal point yeah thank you for that it yeah, saved me easy um i was gonna ask calvin quick, quick maths yeah <laughs> somebody <laughs> plays cool math games.com over here <laughs> um, I, um, I just ask jeeves <laughs> <laughs> why aren't we using bing anymore is that not a thing yeah does nobody use bing you know what send us a dm if you if you use bing as your primary um search search it and you're not being forced to excuse me jeeves <laughs> excuse me jeeves why aren't we using bing <laughs> uh, all right so five tournaments in 2014 he makes 75 dollars at his last tournament the first annual cache valley classic presented by infinite discs mm-hmm. but then eric oakley hold on i, I want to see what you were rated in that tournament that you made 75 dollars let's do it you were nine twenty seven, mm-hmm. and you were this. So you were early on. Yeah, my rating, if you look at it, actually has never been below nine hundred. It was like I think the lowest it was was like nine oh seven, nine eight, nine oh eight, nine eight, <laughs> nine eight, <laughs> and ninety eight rating. Yeah. Um. Okay. Nine twenty seven. Another cool. Uh, I. I. It's like playing pro and being above nine hundred. Yeah. I know that a lot of people strive for that. So yeah, it was. You know, I knew I, I was capable of a lot more. Well, here's here's the best transition ever. 
<laughs> clearly that $75 did something to you. Mm-hmm. You go home, you're laying in your bed, starry-eyed, daydreaming about the three two-for-20 meals at Applebee's you bought you and your friends. Killing it. You know, and you had the two-for-20 meal to yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, big, big baller. 2015 hits, new year, new Eric Oakley. 17 events. <laughs> and uh, did you go on tour? Yeah, that was when I went on tour. Oh and my I, gosh! Okay, so, so let's. I, I really wanted to tell see me this. that so, story. So five tournaments, no cash. You five, go so ten I played tournaments. The five, played the other five, and then I played. I think like three or four tournaments in Utah, something like that. And and um, then you know I was doing a lot of promotion via my own social media page by posting just constantly. I had a vlog. I had a blog. That I was, you know, it was a Discmania blog. Where is that I just because you're a go getter? Yeah, and that's I, I pre-sponsorship. Yeah, okay. and this was one of those things. Is I saw my saw an opportunity of that I wanted to be doing something in disc golf, and I was, I had you the, loved it right away. Yeah, and I had the work schedule that also worked out for it because I was working as a substitute, so I had the mornings to go play if I didn't have to sub that day, and then I worked in the after school program. And you can really set your hours when you sub too. Yeah, and it was it was wonderful because if I wanted to take you know, oh, I can't work on Friday because I'm going to go play this tournament. Yeah. None. No problem. Mm-hmm. No, there's nobody can argue that because I'm a sub. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was super, super cool. And uh, went and played a couple tournaments in Texas. Mm-hmm. And this is where the whole sponsorship thing kind of rolls in because because um, I had relations in Texas, so it was easy to go back to Texas. Like I had people who I could stay with. I had people who I could travel with. And went down there and played a tournament that Jamie Thomas and Simon Lazat ended up being at. And uh, round one, I shoot the hot round at a at a course that I had played a bunch when I lived in Texas. It was one of my favorite courses, Gateway Park. It's If it were to be cleaned up and taken mm-hmm. care of, it's one of the best courses in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. But it's in a pretty rough part of town, and it's really difficult to keep clean. And it was... It, and I just... It was it was really funny because my buddy Paul, who was who I stayed with, caddied for me, and I, I you know, he's he's uh, he was a huge part of me getting to where I was at because when we played in Texas, we were playing constantly all the time, and every time, and I to sidetrack again, mm-hmm. sorry, no, you're good. Uh, a big part of why I got to where I was is when I was in Texas, I had my buddy Weston, Kyle, and Paul, mm-hmm. who every time we played disc golf and we played at least five six days a week, yeah we were basically competing. It was like a, a legit round. And then when I moved to Utah, my buddy Chris Telesbo, who's also now on mm-hmm. Dynamic Discs, that's all we did. He had a similar score, schedule. Score round every we time. We played competitively Whoa. against each other every single day. That's not frothing. No. It, it, what are it, you it doing? Quickly, it quickly turned into disc golf because we, we knew what we wanted to do. We knew we wanted to be really good players. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're to take, you know, at that point, I've been playing you know, since we'll say late February, early March, when it's actually able Mm -hmm. to play in in Utah at that time, we were playing competitive the whole time, six, seven days a week where we would get around or get around in and, you know, you don't want to lose. So that competitive nature started to drive the whole force. So I go down to Texas, I play this tournament, get on league card, you know, shoot the hot round on a really, really difficult course. Mm -hmm. Playing with Simon. You had a big day. Yeah. It was, and I just, 
I threw the disc well and I made putts. It mm-hmm. was really one of those days that it was easy. Yeah. And it wasn't throwing big hyzers. It was actually throwing shots, ripping putters through the woods because cool. it was the best disc I had in my bag. I had a D line P2 that was perfectly beat oh. that I could just power grip, rip a little bit of hyzer, dead straight, 300 feet. And the course and called it, for a lot of those shots. And you nailed it all day. So then you got the attention of people. Yeah. And I played with quickly. Simon impressed him even though i played like crap but i yeah. kept a really good attitude okay. which is definitely one of those things that wasn't my strong suit back then but i yeah. knew i was starstruck and yeah of course ball starts rolling he puts in a good word to Discmania. then they come then they come knocking saying they want to sponsor me <laughs> via but i had all these i had all these extra things i yeah. was posting on instagram i was i had a blog i was constantly posting You're on just the fan naturally page. social media mind yes and but Eric, did you? <laughs> uh, you played five events in 20, 2014, and you made seventy five dollars, seven and a half dollars per tournament up until that point was your average, and now you get sponsored quick, which doesn't happen anymore. No, that doesn't. does not happen anymore. That is a blessing from above. Mm-hmm. Um, and you ran with it, and you literally played all over the country the mm-hmm. next year. Yeah. Did you get in the RV right away? I got in the RV How? right after because Jamie Jamie Thomas was done with his trek of the tour. He did the first half of the year, and the, the RV was open, and they wanted to, Discmania wanted to try something out. They wanted to keep it going, running events, and it became one of those things is I w- impressed them, uh, Simon and Jamie, came through to Utah and ran an event and I helped I helped them set up mm-hmm. I helped them sell stuff I was out there pushing doing that doing that being that personal and you stuff built and a good relationship with them built a really good relationship and um, it became one of those things of that I was becoming a face in my community Quickly. and and it, it was just really easy Whoa. and so jump in the RV allows me to go to Twin Falls Idaho um, out to you went to the memorial I was. I played the. I did play the that memorial. Was your first that year. one of the year. That was the big one, and that's you, a crazy one, man. I ninety fourth place, no money. I missed the cut because I didn't count my scorecard right. I missed the cut by a stroke. Ow. Yeah, bruh. And to this day, I never done it. Quadruple since. check. Yeah, that's the I, worst feeling ever. It's happened to me before as well. It's and to to and to like be at a big tournament. I shot a thousand rated round my very first round. I played with Posse Koivu mm-hmm. to this day that we still talk about that. How far we've both come. Yeah, and um, it's a really cool feeling. Is that was so big and that was a bummer, honestly, because you know I played in my first big tournament mm-hmm. and I had I had an opportunity to make the cut and play for some money and I blew it. And it's crazy that your expectations of making the cut in a sport after playing in it for two years was that high. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy to me how how competitive you can be with yourself. Mm-hmm. And clearly, like, that's what's necessary if you're going to spearhead a tour. Yeah. That, 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 that's, that I still, my brain is, hard, <laughs> it's hard to even wrap around that. Like, mm-hmm. um, and, and you, and you started touring. Well, hold on one second. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you real quick with some stats. Mm-hmm. AJ, I got a job for you. I need you to read something. What was Eric Oakley's first rating when, on his first tour? He got 94th place. Go ahead and say the number in there. His. We tied. Nice. <laughs> Wait, you were there too. 
<laughs> yeah, that we, perfect. See, this is amazing. Yeah, we met at uh, Fiesta Lakes that year. Mm-hmm. What was his rating when when he got ninety fourth place? His first tournament on tour as a professional. Well, that wasn't my first mm. touring tournament. That was the first big tournament I played. That's that's kind of what I meant. Of twenty fifteen, Ledstone would be the first touring tournament I played. Okay, so that's also a good number to look at. But I don't know if it's any better or worse. Nine fifty one. Nine fifty one, Eric. Yeah, that is amateur rated mm-hmm. status, and didn't cash no you're actually funny enough tied aj um episode one of the series uh i always carry a calculator (laughs) in my golf bag so my scorecards pretty good pretty well you added your scorecard correctly and you tied eric so congratulations well my whole card checked (laughs) my whole entire card checked my card too so that's (laughs) so it it made it was the bummer of four of us missed it yeah four of us well i want to move forward because i i you played three tournaments after that, mm-hmm. didn't cash at any of them, and you're still going. Mm-hmm. You're cruising, and you've in it. June 6th to the 7th at the River Park Open, mm-hmm. you get fourth place, and you make $320. Plus, I played in a skins match and made much more money. Yeah. And honestly, it, that was shortly after I got the call and got sponsored by Discmania. So that's a big one. That was a big boosting factor. It was super cool. Okay. It was like easy to go dive head first. Yeah. So that's huge. And mm-hmm. you were 954 rated. Mm-hmm. And you made $320. Were you pretty stoked? That was amazing. Like, and let's Lead see. card the whole time and everything. I was playing really good golf. I got to play with a bunch of the Utah mm-hmm. golfers, Josh Newton, Brody Hansen, yeah. uh, I think Greg Sorensen. And those guys that I was like, these are the guys that I need to be competing mm-hmm. with because they're, they're good. They're really good. And they're getting it done. And you know what's so funny? And, and it's another amazing uh example you remember that tournament fondly mm-hmm. and you said i played well 954 rated eric oakley shot 981 978 969 <laughs> and you and you still fondly yeah. that is so important for anybody who's trying to yeah. improve in this game like any progress is progress totally and, and that is a huge milestone for you and be proud when you beat the previous scores, you know, the the average of all those previous scores, whatever you beat a course like that, it feels good. You Mm -hmm. don't have to, you know, compare yourself to anybody. And the fact that you made money, $320, fourth place, doesn't matter what the rounds were rated, right? As long as you know that you beat people and you felt good about it, that's a huge deal. So that's your first cash and then you roll and then you just... Roll out next tournament, Patriot Classic presented by Dynamic Disc and 208 Discs. 180 bucks. Let's mm-hmm. go, dude. Yeah. You know, it's it's eighth place at a B tier, but that was your second weekend in a row making making a mm-hmm. couple hundred bucks. And as a new disc golfer, that's kind of awesome. sweet. Super cool feeling. But then again, though, this season kind of rolls by and you play 17 events and you make $837. Short, shortly at that I is whenever I went on the road. And that was and I think mm-hmm. the next cash again, I think the next cash and might be wrong with that. Was Let's see if you're right. Was Green Mountain Championships. Let's take a look. And but that was right when I went on the uh-huh. road. Yep, yep, yep. And and it was funny because we were staying were right. we were staying in a house of Simon um Cat Paul Ricky Drew Gibson, like all the best players, the some time. of the best players. And so I'm getting these practice rounds with them. And Green Mountain was a really like impressive mm-hmm. time because uh, and, and this is one of my most fond moments in disc golf. And it happens to be with Drew, who, you know, he's 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 
an interesting character and he's, he's very he's, opinionated. Yeah. People like him. Some people don't and I, I have a good relationship with him. So I, but he I grinds. He does and he had this. We had this moment where I'm on. Okay. It was previously hole 16, um, but it's on Fox Run Meadows. Mm-hmm. It's the uphill par three that baskets in the trees. Yep. Um, and it's it's later in the round and I threw a shot and I was frustrated. Drew just said nothing, handed me a disc and he said throw again. I threw a shot, got a little better and he, and he, he, he was like hand me a disc. He said throw again mm-hmm. and he did that. We I threw my entire bag and he's like, do you feel better? And I was like, I actually do. And he's like you you can throw the shot and it doesn't matter put what disc you put in your hand step up throw the shot and it was one of those cool moments and then drew and I had a bet going on that if he beat me by a bunch then I'd had to shave my man bun and oh my and then I popped off I went you were a bunny boy <laughs> I was uh, I was I mean I was lovely going out on the road and I said why not just do something crazy with your hair um, but then uh, I popped off I, th- I think I shot I think it was like a nine ten rated round on Brewster. Let's go crap and then went over to Fox <laughs> run same day. Uh-huh. I'm on. I started on hole 17, so I'm way back of the pack mm-hmm. like struggle bussing. Yeah, and shoot 1030 <laughs> and that's great. climb up the charts and then and then play another mediocre round on Brewster, Brewster and then pop off again on on Fox Run. So yeah. Drew didn't beat me by enough, so I had to chop my man bun. So I, <laughs> I kept it. So as they put it, I careered him because I was bet my best round at, up to date. <laughs> That's amazing. And yeah, so that that thirty is a nine sixty rated player. Pretty nuts. That's amazing. You were you were on tour with straight up amateur status. You were mm-hmm. less than nine seventy. You were, only reason I made my cr- criteria of this series nine ninety is because I needed to find enough players <laughs> that fit the criteria. <laughs> like, clearly, there's people that tour below that rating level, but I want yeah. the ones that that tour and, and stick at it and, mm-hmm. and continue to improve. And um, each season, you know, their peaks get higher. Mm-hmm. Clearly, your peaks are showing themselves already. Yeah. And then you make your little little paycheck three hundred thirty eight dollars, and then the rest of the season, like. Peaks as in like his peaks were showing, so I put my hands over. Are them. you talking about nipples? It's a podcast, so that <laughs> they didn't know that. that <laughs> this sorry. is my podcast assistant, AJ Risley. Everybody, if you are tuning in late to the show, he is a um, very funny comedian, very funny, very funny guy. <laughs> Made a nipple joke in the midst of everything, and I actually appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And you know what? While we're at it, I have a next another section I want to dive into. AJ, do you, uh, I think we have a commercial break or an unofficial commercial break? Would you mind walking us through that? Yeah. All right. So thank you everybody for listening to the Buzz Podcast presented by Discraft. My name's AJ Risley. I'm going to be guiding you through this commercial break here. Funny enough, this is a this is a really good time for me to plug my new not new, but my tour fundraiser disc. <laughs> it just dropped on the Dynamic Disc website, but unfortunately this commercial break is brought to you by Fiji Water. Yes, Fiji Water. The only water to be produced and bottled, produced and bottled on the island of Fiji. Unfortunately, for those consumers out here in the West Coast, that's where I live on the West Coast. We don't know where Fiji is, and there's a good chance we never will. But 
nonetheless, that does not change the fact that Fiji water is the sole brand <laughs> of natural artesian water that comes from actual volcanoes. And, and this is actually what Fiji water sent AJ to read. Yes, this is, that this is not anything. Thank that you so much. AJ, AJ came up with. This yes. is all Fiji. Thank you. I'm done crying Produces. now. I, I was crying not it's because beautiful. it was funny because there's nothing funny about Fiji water, but I'm, I was crying. Can because... I say the tagline real quick? Oh, so I, I just I'm so, I'm I, so I, sorry. I, I know. I know. <laughs> no, I, I apologize. Emails. <laughs> yeah, I got I mean just the one obligation with with Fiji water Fiji water. We don't know where it is either. <laughs> Oh man! Okay, that was a nice like icebreaker. So, um, uh, Eric has a season twenty fifteen. Doesn't make a lot of money. Tours all over the country. Were you burnt out not making cash? No, like that many times. That's amazing. What was your? So your head was just kind of like, okay, I'm on. I'm here for the ride. Whatever. So uh, it was a big part of. I had a bunch. I had a good amount of money saved up uh, leading up to that, and. I was committed and I wanted to find a way to make it work. And uh, a good part of it was I was working for Dismania. So I had some incentives um, to potentially make some good yeah. money. And it wasn't uh, good money as in if Disc we absolutely rich. kill it. Disc golf rich. Um, but I wasn't having to worry about where I stayed. I wasn't having to worry about gas exactly. because I was a, being an employee. And that's of how you make it work as a disc golfer. You're, mm-hmm. Unless you are one of the few, like five to 10 guys that, you know, and then there's a few FPO players that do it as well mm-hmm. that show up and get paid to do it. Yeah, you have to lower your you know lower your overhead cost. Totally, of you have to find a way to make it work. Yeah. And and it and it, I think it's a different lifestyle. A big thing that a lot of players haven't fully grasped is that you got to have your own. You got to you got to put your own money up front. You're investing in yourself. Yeah, exactly. And that that that's the crazy part is I, you know, I went into some some credit card debt because of it, but. I kept yeah. trusting the process that I was. It was what Little I was investments doing was worth for it. the future. Yeah, you know, and and that's that's yeah, that's pretty much especially with you coming from as far back as you came mm-hmm. skill wise. Yeah, you know, you kind of have to accept that. And um, thank you for getting me some water, AJ. Would you mind pouring me a nice crisp glass of uh, Fiji water? Thank you. Um, I want to move into. I mean, so. I'm going to do a kind of like an express run through of 2016, 2017. Mm-hmm. This is cool to 2016 me. 2016 is a big year. Yeah. Yeah. And, and 2016 we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. And then after we roll through that, I have, uh, I want to talk about current Eric Oakley. Yeah. Um, 2016, you were still with Dismania. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it goes from 17 tournaments and like $800 to 23 tournaments and $4,000 in prize money, which is still not insane. But again, that's a big jump. Mm-hmm. What what was the biggest change for you from that season to this season? Did you change anything in the off season? Or what? I was able to be in California for the entire off season, and working at Discmania allowed me to kind of. I went before work, I went after work, and I threw and I put it in the backyard because there's a basket back there, and I went and played a lot of disc golf, and that was probably one of the biggest things and I developed parts of my game having been out on the road and watched, you know, Ricky and watched Jeremy Coling and Nate Sexton and Eagle and Simon and these guys who are super good do it. And that was one of those opportunities for me to kind of pick up on the things that they were doing good and translate that to my game. What am I actually doing bad? 
I'm not just good. Yeah, I can throw incredible shots and I can throw these good shots, but that means nothing. It really does. So many physically talented players in our game. Yeah, and you have to be able to do it. So that was that was what I started to like. All right, look inward on what you can actually do better, yeah. and that was a big part of it. And I, without that process, without working really hard and putting in that, those hours, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even be here. Yeah. Like oh, that that off season and that next that first part of that year was a. I don't know. It was a, a, That's huge. a groundbreaking. This is actually also at the same time when I met Tina. Yeah, here. Go, go ahead and start rolling through. I, I'll give you your yeah. stats as well. You can reminisce on the on the glory days. It sounds like yeah. a tw- 2016 was a big year for you. You met your... Winter, wintertime Open was a cool one because I, I, I was actually on the the first, first round card with Paul McBeth, and we had a really good time, and that was like my first good interaction with Paul. And then St. Paddy's Classic was the first tournament I traveled to. It was me and Simon going out on the road, and I actually played pretty well to make some money there. It was it was pretty cool. We went and did um, the KC League, those two leagues in Kansas City. That was with Eagle. We had a really good time. Um, Texas States, that was Waco. The beast first time playing out there tore me up. <laughs> uh, nice. Perfect. Uh, and then roll into Glassbone Open. Mm-hmm. That was one of the big moments because that was the year we played Peter Pan, uh, Jones East Country Club, and that was the year that it flooded. And Peter Pan was a flooded layout, so it was kind of different. So everybody kind of had a slightly clean slate. Most of the course was the same, but there was a couple minor adjustments. And I happened to go off and have one of those rounds where I threw the disc, I made my putt. I threw a disc, I made my putt. I threw the disc, I made my putt. And I come in, and I'm tied with Cam Todd for leading the tournament. As uh, Can you go into that and see what you were rated yeah. at the time? Again, I, I keep asking you to check the rating because I, I, I want to use this, this whole dialogue mm-hmm. um, to show players that are aspiring to do something like this, you don't need to be 10, 20 rated to start doing it. I mean, these no. days it's getting harder and harder, and the ceiling to like get started is getting higher and higher. But like... If you set yourself up properly and you are a little bit crazy, because mm-hmm. Eric, you're kind of... You're, I'm a little nutty. You're, <laughs> you're nuts. You're a little nuts. That's okay. I was 960 rated. Nine, he's still 960 rated. Mm-hmm. And you're leading a national tour. Yeah. What are you... What? Yeah. And it was pretty crazy because it was... It was three years ago. Yeah. And it was Jomez covered uh, for the round of Jones East, and it was crazy rain crazy wind and like multiple rain delays and i had to battle through all that and i didn't play that well but then i came back and shot well you weren't uh, supposed to no of course the universe not. did not want you to do that no and i actually played pretty well on camera i obviously missed a couple shorties mm-hmm. in like crazy wind and stuff like that but it was like Ex- sure expected i did 960 rated things yeah. <laughs> no day. exactly exactly and then i and then i came back and i finished 25th at that tournament a 25th at a national tour mm-hmm. which is uh worth 575 dollars and was a pretty cool moment um Fast forward to the next Nash. The, the next national tour was Kansas City wide open. I got super sick and didn't play well. But then we go to uh, Masters Cup. First time at De La. Mm-hmm. This is actually when we did the starter pack challenge the Start day after the tournament. Sick. And that was one of those moments that helped kind of grow me as a yeah. brand. And I got last cash there for $45. Let's go. 
and that 45 was, smackers yeah and so that was pretty cool and then uh played saint jude the following week and did not cash and just didn't have it things and, yeah didn't a lot of 960 things and then this is a this is a crazy little like period because we traveled uh we followed nate sexton and anthony barella in paul Macbeth's rig mm-hmm. and it was eagle and i in the Dismania rig and we went up to Oregon getting ready for uh, Fort Stellicum and Beaver State fling up in Washington and mm-hmm. Oregon. But then we stopped in Whistler's Bend mm-hmm. to go play that course. And I clearly showed that I was uh, not as good as Sexton, Barella, and Eagle Yeah, while we were out there. And it was, I just was playing terrible golf. I, I, I it was awful. And then the very next weekend, I win an eight tier, averaging. Uh, that's what I wanted to get at. It was crazy because leading up to that tournament, I was playing awfully, mm-hmm. terrible golf. So, but I was still playing golf. So the Fort Silicon Open is no joke. Like that used mm-hmm. to be a national tour. Yeah, and it was an eight tier, thirty five players, uh, Eagle McMahon in the field, Jared Roan, Cameron Messerschmidt, Shasta Chris. Jared Roan was a baller. If yeah. none of you have ever heard of him, he, we mentioned him in our first episode. Dustin Keegan, Nick Wood, Matt Bell. Um, that's the Pacific Northwest right there. Yeah. And uh, is Crabtree, did you say, was it? it? No, he wasn't. He that's wasn't. why he won. I'm just kidding. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, actually pretty much why I didn't win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or Scott Withers wasn't there yeah, at that yeah, tournament. Yeah. So there's, there's a bunch of guys up there that could have easily. But anyway, you're yeah. you're 960 rated player and you won an A tier. 966 rated at this time. So I've never even won an A tier. I've gotten second more times than I can count. And you pull off the win against some of the best players. Mm-hmm. And was it just one of those things where the athletic zone was. It just was dialed. It and was something pretty nuts because the first round felt kind of similar to the GBO round of like things are really working. It's too I'm making easy putts. Right now. Yeah, things are things are super good. And then it was the uh, tail end of the second round is whenever I actually kind of turned it on of I am good enough because I the very first confidence was just starting to roll. Yeah, the and... very first hole I threw it OB uh, of the second round. Yeah, but then got up and down for the four. Didn't panic kind of picked up some holes here and there was like feeling the nerves but then a couple of holes i just threw really good shots made a good putt threw a really good shot and i made a putt and, and you just, were just kept, in control yeah and i just kind it's the of weirdest feeling didn't didn't let anything happen and i ended up going in i think i had a two stroke i had a two or three stroke lead going into the final round and that round was pretty crazy as well first hole super nervous because I've done one round. Yeah. I've been leading after one round before. I've done that. Yeah. Now leading after two and there's only 18 holes to play and it's one of those moments of okay, this is nerve-wracking mm-hmm. and it's a putter turnover and parked it and just made the putt, moved on. Jared got the next hole, so he was the guy who was chasing me down with Jared. And that guy's fierce. He is, a, he was a fierce competitor back yeah. then. And um, he gets the next hole. I don't, but then I get the next hole. Mm-hmm. So then I, I keep I keep my lead, and we just kind of kind of are going a little bit back and forth. And you're then battling with like one of the best players in the world, and yeah. y- you are. He was still he was amateur status, thirty five rating points higher than I was at the time. Yeah, and he's been out there doing it. And there was one moment when I knew I was in control, and that was uh, a tight wooded hole that 
is a long pushing hyzer, mm-hmm. then it generally fit ter- very difficult. And I early release it and end up in a jaily spot and have to throw this crazy just forehand turnover mm-hmm. prayer to get a 35 footer, mm-hmm. throw it to 35 feet, make the putt par. Don't lose a stroke. You buried it. Yeah. And it was one of those moments of like, this is yeah, kind I got of this. my time. And then, uh, Coming down the stretch, I was able to even lay up on the last hole. All I had to do was throw it through a decently sized gap mm-hmm. and put it put it sixty feet away. Yeah, you have four strokes to play with. Um, Eric, yeah. I remember when you won this, and mm-hmm. I I had no idea who you were. And mm-hmm. my brother and I, who both play, obviously, were looking at the stats from that weekend. We were like, "Who the hell is Eric Oakley?" <laughs> we were like, <laughs> like that guy just popped off ten forty four, ten fourteen, ten fifteen as a 960-rated player to win an A-tier against some of the best players out there. Yeah, Paul Ulibarri was there, and my favorite moment of that was after the round. You know, Paul's like, you know, he came out, gives me a big hug. We've been we've been good friends at yeah. this point, not uh, having uh, been traveling and, yeah. and done some events together. Um, and he comes up to me and kind of plays a little joke on me. He goes, he's like, yeah, but kind of broke the course record and now uh, we got to go to a playoff and and he and I was like oh dude really oh that's awesome cool whatever and he was just like no dude I'm kidding like dude you're <laughs> yeah, he that's did not so, do well that week and he was like dude that is like dude that is so cool he was just hyped and it like you could just tell like what's amazing to see a new winner like that yeah you know it, it, it's it gives everybody hope when mm-hmm. someone like that who is rated like everybody else out there, yeah. you know, it's not like, oh, so-and-so's at this tournament. Of course, they're going to win. Like, mm-hmm. oh, Kyle Crabtree showed up to a C tier in Washington. Yeah. And he won. Cool. Good job. Duh. He yeah. won by 20. Yeah. Um, that's It's amazing. And it's, it's, it's a big deal, obviously, for you. And then I'm going to fast forward after this win because I feel like that's a turning point for you. It was huge. You begin to build this public image mm-hmm. because you have to, mm-hmm. because we have to. And you grow it pretty big. Mm-hmm. You you have influence over people in a positive way. Obviously, yeah. you love disc golf, and you're doing it for a living now. And um, it, the question I ask to every single person I'll, I bring onto the show: When the world started having expectations of you, mm-hmm. did you struggle initially, or did you thrive? I think it was a, a beautiful blend of both, as crazy as that is, because, you know, um, I definitely wanted to be one of the best players in the world. Mm-hmm. And maybe my expectations of that are uh. are still even a little far-fetched because of how good uh, the, the golfing scene is. I can be one of, of the course. best golfers on any given weekend, but yeah. I have to I have to let the pieces fall in the right order mm-hmm. for that to happen. Um but then I also did flourish because it gave me more confidence. It put more um, stake in my claim of being. You got a worth piece it. of the pie now. Yeah, and yeah. I, you know, I was just like, yeah. Well, then this is worth it. Yeah, this is one hundred percent worth it to to keep doing and pursuing. And there's no better time in my life. So it, yeah. you know, the expectations kind of, you know hit me pretty hard of a wanting to be so good that that might have stunted a little bit of my growth as a player because yeah. what I know now yeah. of the shots that I should be focusing on and throwing yeah. are very different from the shots that I was throwing of then. Co- of course, yeah. because yes, yes, growing up as a, as a player and getting better and better and better, but you, you start thinking like, yeah, now that I can throw these high-level shot shapes, I should, I should do them. Yeah. I should run this 70-foot death yeah. because I can... I can make every 30 foot comeback that I faced with. Mm-hmm. 
but it's but the fact that you got to that level of confidence is that that's those are the plateaus and the, mm-hmm. the the stages that we have to get to in order to get to the next level and um the fact that y- you started to have more expectations and obviously mm-hmm. you said you were a little you said you were a little nervous at first like a, a people bit. start like when people start criticizing you online yeah that's when you're like what the what yeah what is this totally like now you have you're on video and people are like Eric does this weird thing with the disc. He's he sucks. Yes, I don't know if it was exactly like that, but it's but, not far from it. <laughs> well, that's what I want to talk about because that's such a weird thing. Like the disc golf community is such an intimate mm-hmm. community, and like the the best players in the world are all over social media, interacting and you know commenting, you know, right along with everybody else. Like mm-hmm. that's you know a big fan of watching pro disc golf. You mm-hmm. know, and um, it's weird when you get like you know, Frankie 42 on YouTube that says, Oh, Eric Oakley, like, wh- like he's trash. Like his, his form is weird. Mm-hmm. You know, cause back then you, you had kind of a weird, did that affect you at all? Like er, early on it, 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 it definitely, cause did. you are social media minded. You yeah. do care about people. I you want do love that. People. I want my image to be something positive that people remember. And if people are Your thinking public image, yeah, yeah, public image. Yeah. yeah. And if, if people are, trashing on me and you know and and it's it's very much it's the weird snowball phenomenon. effect on on the internet because one person says it and you'd be like yeah he sucks oh yeah, yeah, and just goes into this terrible dark web so that we don't seen want some stuff some stuff but uh probably not not long after that it became one of those those moment those mm-hmm. things motivated me even more good that's and, the athlete inside of you that yeah and it. it's like <laughs> there was oh man um last year's memorial i think it was last year's memorial not this year's last year's i read uh, a post i think somebody put a uh you know a compilation mm-hmm. of the, the 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 most prominent disc golf players in the world and my yeah. my face was on there because yeah. i was out there doing it i was pushing myself yeah. and everything and somebody said why is Eric Oakley up there? He's not good enough. He's <laughs> he's this, that, and the other. Yeah. All he is, all he is, is just a social media butterfly. Like whatever he said, something something really dumb. And I was just like, oh, that's what you think. All right, sugar pie. Boom. I'm gonna show you. And I was on and I was on Chase Card the very next day, playing with Eagle, Simon, Temunisen, and and I was and I and I held my own. Yeah. And I popped of off a good round at and Fountain Hills and at Vista, and I was. And I, it was one of those moments of yeah. like, yeah, right. And I then, can't and then I shortly after that, I got with that opinion like that. About yeah. Me. That's and then so I got strange. And then I got a podium finish at Jonesboro not long after that. And it's just like, am I not worth it? Yeah. That's Try like, me. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I, yeah. And that's, and that, that I think is another thing that, um, you know, when I, when I talk to AJ, like he doesn't care, like, you know, we, we've all, and even this year for me, now that I'm starting to do commentary and mm-hmm. things like that, it's so crazy to even have people say anything negative about you. I've, I'm not, I wouldn't hurt a fly. No, you know, and we're not nothing I do is malicious. I love disc golf so much and I love sharing, Mm -hmm. you know, good energy with people and putting out good things into the world. That's the whole reason we're sitting down at this table right now. And to have people go, Oh, I don't approve of you existing. You're lucky. You know, it's insane because all we're doing is putting out this positive stuff and people, all they're getting back is like the complete opposite energy. And it's, and uh, we can talk about that stuff, but it's, it's, it's nuts. But as long as, as long as you, you know, yeah, of course we realize that people are strange. People (laughs) People are are strange and and, and nobody knows what the hell we're doing on this planet. No, we're trying to figure it out. We have a pretty good thing going right now. Yeah, we do. Um, and our, 
our little world we do in here's the disc golf world. My, here's my favorite thing I wanted to save uh, for this part of the episode, and I hope people are still listening <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Eric, what's your middle name? William. Eric Bill Oakley. That's my dad's name, yeah. Perfect. Yes. Eric Billiam Oakley, you are the first player I've ever called a courtesy violation on. It was like a mini courtesy violation. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this interaction? I vaguely do. Utah, mm-hmm. last year, mm-hmm. you missed an island, mm-hmm. and you spiked your metal mini in front of the guy who was about to go. Yeah. And I didn't say courtesy violation, but I looked at you and I said, y'all. Don't do that. You can't do that anymore, dude. And you and, and it's, you know what's crazy? I didn't know you very well back then, mm-hmm. but you know what I knew you for? I knew you for the bubbly. Positive. It's funny how it's like, whoa, Eric feels crap (laughs) (laughs) he's a real person like sometimes yeah and and i don't know i i would not say me and you follow the same path but we both want the same things out of Mm -hmm. disc golf i think we both want to share the same things with people and does it ever bother you when you lose your temper like that because of how because i've seen you do it a couple times and and we're all human here Mm -hmm. and we're athletes and competitors does it bother you ever when you look back and you're like god why why do i keep doing that like absolutely because it happens it started happening to me this year Mm -hmm. and i'm like what are you doing you idiot like why are you acting like this it's it's a pretty insane thing because we are human we're allowed to have our reactions and but it's it's finding out like when you look back on it, you're like that helped me zero percent exactly and why do we keep doing it yeah and and i think i've gotten i've gotten significantly better there are are plenty of moments where i'm uh like you have to get some of the frustration out and it's it's where i think what we're all trying to do in a lot of ways is find the right avenue that we can get it out and then be able to fall back into the zone that we need to be as as seth muncie puts it it's like cool yeah i'm like kind of at the yellow light right now i need to get back to the green light because i want to be feeling positive so i'm going to just go to the red real quick and then (laughs) yeah and then be able to dial it back but it's it's so it's so crazy yeah i've tried i've tried singing i've tried having a mental reset (laughs) i've 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 heard them all from you i play with you a few more times And I, I, I've, I've, I'm still constantly finding the things because I, everybody would love to be like Michael yeah. Johansson. Everybody would love yeah. to be like Peter McBride, where they're James Conrad. James, Con- they're so stoic. Their, their, their brains are so big and just big like, brain boys. I, I'm blown away at how they handle adverse situations because I like there has to be something in their DNA yeah. that allows well, them to do that over is other people because your brain moves a million miles an hour all the time. It could be. And I think there's a good part of it that brought that comes back to the whole soccer background. Mm-hmm. I was a pretty volatile soccer player mm-hmm. where a ref made a bad call. I was yelling about it. Yeah, but I knew in, in soccer, soc- you weren't social media guy. You no. know, it's crazy when you're like, ah, oh, dang it. I just yeah posted and, a video before this round. Like, what's up, guys? Like, yeah. I'm blah, 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 blah. Fuck! <laughs> you know you're like spiking your, you know, but it's like ah, like and and that's the crazy like, part is if you look at if you look at other sports, like you can see Tom Brady's of the world exactly. swearing, Tiger Woods exactly. of the world swearing and being angry when something bad happens. Yeah, and so I think we're allowed. We're totally allowed, but 
some people still think it's bad. I think it's because we are half ambassador, half player. Yeah. Tiger Woods is Full all player. player. Yeah. You know, His Derek Jeter is, is all player. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's it's like like you said, like we have to give ourselves grace. Like if we feel that way, we have to express it. But at the same time, I kind of wish there was a way we didn't even feel that frustration. Totally. And that just goes down to like all sorts of philosophies and mm-hmm. you know meditation and all this you know rationalization of mm-hmm. negative thoughts and whatnot. But Eric, I'm saying I feel you because I, <laughs> we, dude, I was watching. Me and you play the same way, man. We played Idlewild together, and I think we both, oh, we both, and uh, not God. to bring that up. Oh no, no, you're right. But we we both had moments, the same of struggles, man. Brilliance followed by stupidity, and followed th- by brilliance, yeah. followed by stupidity, and we both were sitting there wondering why. What? Yeah. And yep. like some of the best shots I had were to save bogey and double bogey that yeah. round, and I was like. Yeah, I'm kind of stoked, but also I'm really kind of pissed. Yeah. And it was a really weird thing to kind of battle. Yeah, and I think that that's something that we will. This is this is only like those moments are only going to, you know, are going only going to yeah. trickle into this amazing moment for us both. Of course, because we are able to handle the craziness and not absolutely lose our minds. Yeah. Just mildly lose our minds. Of course. <laughs> No, no, and I my my whole goal is just to eventually not even have adverse situations make me feel that way in general. Totally. My first my first goal actually for the world championships is zero verbal labeling of shots. Love it. I cannot I'm not going to say a shot was good, I'm not going to say a shot was terrible. I'm not even going to say anything about the shot. Mm-hmm. I'm go- only going to say if it was perfect, mm-hmm. which is exactly what I was envisioning, which is maybe like what, 3 shots per round, 4 <laughs> yeah. if you're on fire. Yeah. You know, but but um yeah, I think just eventually, like, I think we are so passionate and we are so vocal about things. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, like, I went over to Europe and people were like, whoa, like, you talk a lot for, like, when you play. And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yeah. But I'm playing really rough. Um, anyway, we've been kind of rolling and I, I want to just last fast forward. Mm-hmm. Present Eric Oakley, you are living in an RV. Mm-hmm. You are married to someone you met on the, on the road playing yeah. disc golf. She's um, the best person I know. Y- Tina is a baller. Shouts mm-hmm. out to Tina. Kind of a cool human being. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys are kind of spearheading some things together. You're doing kind of your own thing. Um, and now you're, this is your career. Mm-hmm. And you've been through the ringer and you've been through stretches where you've made zero dollars and now you're, what are you, 10... 17. 10, 17 rated after starting out playing against the best players in the world at 960, or 950 technically, mm-hmm. and now you're here, mm-hmm. and you're still going, and you feel healthy. Yeah. And it's it's crazy to think about that, but um, for somebody who is in your position right now, mm-hmm. there are so many people in disc golf, especially young kids that are like late teens that are like, you know... I don't know what to do because every late teens kid, there's a, it's a rare thing for a kid in their late teens, early twenties to be like, yeah, I'm just going to do this forever. And it's going to, and then maybe like 10 years down the line, I'll do this and then I'll do this. Not many people have that figured out. Mm-hmm. Give, give a 16 year old AJ Risley a piece of advice. If this is something that they want, they think they want. Mm-hmm. So the one thing that I, totally picked up on from this whole experience is don't half ass whole ass everything 
and I I love you. I that's my whole agenda. Yeah, and I I put a lot of time into disc golf, but I wasn't fully committed to what it actually took mm-hmm. to be good at disc golf, mm-hmm. and that is a bit. It's another part of why I was so close as a soccer player. So this is not just a one failure thing. This is a multiple failure thing that I've gone through mm-hmm. and learned from, and this is why I'm devoting as much time mm-hmm. into disc golf. And I wish I would have put it in three years ago, yeah. four years ago, and would have been doing the things that I'm doing now. So do it now. Yes. So take care of your body, eat better, like put all of your focus yeah. into disc golf, but also at the same time have things that distract you away yeah. from it. So when you feel burnt, you yeah. have something to kind of fall back on. And always be assessing what you want. Yes. Because if that changes, especially as a late te- late teens, early 20s, people are not going to hate you if no. you say, oh, wait, I don't want to do this anymore. Yes. They're going to hate you if you stick with it and you're miserable. Yes. And it doesn't matter if it's disc golf or a job or, or, or school or whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. They, they change is weird to some people, but um, you're not tethered to this identity as a disc golfer yeah. at all. And the other part of it is, is that you're... You have to want it. You're, you're going to fall on your feet a lot, it, and and that's the thing is even in our in our in our society, when you get a job, you you move to a different thing, you move to a different place, you can find something new to do, and I think uh, once I learned that that was part of it, I was able to go headfirst into a disc bit golf. More stress free, yeah, because I knew that I was you know I'm an adult. A bunch of like we're gonna be able to work things out. We're yeah. gonna be able to figure out how to make it. I that's yeah. whether it's going back to school, whether it's whether it's anything. Anything. Yeah. And so if you want this thing bad enough, don't let anything get in the way of that opportunity. Yeah. If you're good enough or you have the drive to be good enough, mm-hmm. then put everything in yeah. and see where it takes you. Because if you devote everything to it, it you're, feels good. And and that's the thing. You're not going to be sitting there thinking, man, I would have, could have, should have. Yeah. Don't give yourself a chance to have excuses. Exactly. Yeah. Eric, I um, I love you. I love you too, bro. <laughs> fucking, that's so precious. Um, ready, uh, AJ? We're, gonna about, we're about to do our, out, our uh, outro. So, <clears throat> outro. You ready? You said the F word twice. You did drop it in there a couple times. I said the F word twice, but I don't think anybody's going to be listening this far. Uh, Thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys next time. Ooh, tagline. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate you, Brian, and what you're doing. Yeah. I love having these conversations with people, and I maybe shouldn't have said the F word twice, but it was late in the show, right? That's okay. Mm-hmm. You didn't drink any of my water, right? Because this this is Crystal Geyser. It's not Fiji. Thank God. Oh, my God. Crystal All right. Geyser. Well, uh, thank you guys for being well-spoken close. enough to where I don't have to edit this. Um, maybe the F words, but maybe not. Because Dude, just find some cool sound effects. That's all you need <laughs> to. Yeah, you know, yeah. whenever we're <laughs> given an opportunity to be a part of something that has some kind of you know like the people that 
that see things the way that you know the big preach right yeah right the what is his purpose in this show again and (laughs) so when we are able to put our shoes in the shoes of those people then we're truly we'll catch you guys next time for the next episode good night sorry what